So today's daf is Cafe in Yoma. We are on about 20 lines from the top of the Amud, where it says Amar Abaye. Abaye is commenting on what we discussed before, but it's really technically a new point, so that's why we left it for, uh, for today. So Amar Abaye, Abaye said, Shema Mina, Lishkata Gazit. So we learn from this, he derives from the description of how they conducted the lotteries in the Beit HaMikdash, certain uh, inferences, inferences that he makes from that. First of all, he says you can figure out from this that... Lishkata Gazit, the chamber of hewn stone is how it's called in English, which was the place where the Sanhedrin usually met. It's famous for that. Lishkata Gazit, Half of it was situated um, on territory that was considered Kodesh, and half of it was situated where in a place that was considered Chol. Now, how does he know that? And he, well, he also says, You could also infer... You could also derive from what we've seen before that they had two. It must have had at least two doors: one that led into the actual courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash, and one that led outside. Now, how does he come up with these uh, conclusions? He's going to explain. So he says, first of all, he says the Isal Kula Bakodesh. If you're going to say that the Lishkat Tagazit was completely situated in an area that would be considered Kodesh, such as the Bet, you mean actually part of the courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash, Zaken Yoshevim Arava. It said above that there was an elder who was sitting there like a rabbi or whoever, an elder sage who would be sitting there to answer questions and resolve difficulties that would come up in the, you know, he would be on site. He was sort of like a, the mashkiach or something. I don't know. Somebody was there to resolve issues. So he was sitting there. And we know that there's a rule that halachically nobody's allowed to sit down in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash except a king from the house of David. That's a rule that we have and where they derived it from a certain pasuk that talks about David who came and sat down in front of the Aaron. Um, but generally we say that nobody's allowed to sit down in the Azara ever. And so the fact that somebody was sitting there shows you that that's not considered part of the courtyard. On the other hand, but if you're going to say, okay, so maybe the whole chamber was not a sacred chamber at all, and it was all just a uh, mundane uh, space, so that can't be either. Because we said before, that uh, that the bet that the the lottery had to be conducted bebet Elohim in the house of God because the whole idea of making a big deal out of it showing the excitement of the Kohanim are going to be selected they're lining up and all that that whole commotion was an honor to Hashem because it happened in the house of God but if it doesn't happen in the house of God then it won't work so therefore um, so therefore it had to be. Half and half, veleka. You won't have that if it's completely chol. Ela shemamina chetzia b'kosh v'chatzia b'chol. Obviously, the section, in other words, the western side where that gentleman was sitting, was not considered a part of the Beit Hamikdash, and the eastern side where they conducted the lottery was considered a part of the Beit Hamikdash. So there was some dividing line, invisible dividing line there in the. Uh, you know, or maybe it was visible, but uh, maybe they knew where exactly where it was. But you know, it's like uh, it's like my aunt's house is like sits on the border of Kings Point and Great Neck. So it's like half of the yard is you know Kings Point, half of it is Great Neck. You know, of course they charge whichever the higher taxes is. You know, that's that's the rule. But they, uh, but that's the uh, that you know. So you have you have things like that. Or you have the Beit Hamikdash is sitting half in Bin, according to one opinion, half in Binyamin, half in Yehuda. So here too, the chamber is half on sacred ground and half on. Uh, regular ground. Now, so now again, he says you can also learn from this that there were two doors. Okay, um, now how do we know that there were two doors? Uh, one leading to Kodesh and one, meaning one leading to the uh, courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash and one not. It says the Isal Kedatach Petachad Yeshla. 
if you're going to say that it only had one door, so if it were open directly to the Azara, to the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, so it's like, right, you would, then, the, then again, the elder wouldn't be able to sit there, because because even if a, uh, even if the technical location of a chamber is Chol, but it's open directly to the Kodesh, so automatically it gets the status of Kodesh, Tochan Kodesh. It's going to absorb. It's like when you had a, it's not the same concept, but you know, you would have like a Chatzer, when we talked about Chatzerot, that, you know, they're open completely. The, the, the fourth side of the Chatzer is completely open to a place that you're not allowed to carry. So that affects the whole inside of the area because it's wide open to it. So if the door of this courtyard is directly into, of this uh, chamber is directly into the, uh, uh, into the Beit HaMikdash, so it's going to be considered like the Beit HaMikdash, even though the physical ground it's on is not part of the Beit HaMikdash, okay? Now, on the other hand, so there, and so therefore it wouldn't be able to be, it wouldn't be able to be that it had only a door leading to the Kodesh, because that would make the whole place Kodesh. And if you're going to say that the door is an exit goes out, so so then how could they do the lottery inside? The rule basically is that wherever the door leads to, it defines the room. So even if technically the territory that it's on is considered Kodesh, would be considered part of the but the door, the only door it has leads out, and so you go in and out from the outside, not from the, the courtyard, so then that whole chamber is going to be considered not really a part of the Beit HaMikdash, it's always going to be Chol, because it's basically like a second building, you, you don't go in from the uh, fr- from the Beit HaMikdash, and you can't even get into the Beit HaMikdash from there, you, it only has a, an outside door, it's like a separate apartment attached to the Beit HaMikdash, so it doesn't matter what territory it's situated on, that's the rule, the rule is that the door defines the status of the room, not the physical location of the ground. And so that means that if it had only a door leading into the Kodesh, so then it would be Kodesh. And then you would have a problem with the guy sitting. And if it's a, if it's a, if it only leads to Chol, then it would be Chol, and you'd have a problem with doing the lottery there. So what's the answer? The conclusion is that it must be, have had two doors. Okay, therefore, So he basically concludes that that's the conclusion, that you have two doors and you have two halves. In other words, probably what it was is that one half that was near the exit that went out of the chamber into the into the outside was the whole half and the half that had, you know, the chamber was, uh, the chamber that was the, the sacred chamber, half of the chamber had a door that led into the Kodesh and that way it had a quasi status basically of being both um, holy and secular at the same time, half and half. And that's, and he, he derives that from the Salachot. Now we get to the Paisa Shedni. So we already had the first uh, lottery that they would do regarding the Chumat Adeshin in the morning. And now we get to the second lottery that they did. A Paisa Shedni Mishochet Mizorek. Who can, who's going to do the Shechita of the Korban Tamid? Who's going to throw the blood of the Korban Tamid? Okay? Who's going to take the ashes off of the Mizbech HaPnimi? Because in addition to the ashes that had to be removed each day from the uh, from the outer altar where the korbanot are brought, there's also an inner altar that's used every day, which is the altar of the uh, of the ketoret, the altar where they would offer the um, the uh, the uh, incense. So that altar, they had to remove some of the ashes from that as well each day, and and then again use it for morning and afternoon. Um, Morning and afternoon ketoret, because as we know, we read every day. So he does it twice, once in the morning, once in the evening. Uh, he he does the uh, uh, the ketoret. So the um, 
so this, the Ketorot was a very coveted uh, avodah, but this is not talking about the Ketorot itself, it's talking about cleaning off the ashes from the, miz- the Mizbeach, which was the golden Mizbeach, inside the Kodesh, uh, for the Ketorot. Now, so we, they would decide, who's going to do the Shechita, who's going to do the Zrikah of the blood? They also had to clean out the Menorah from each day. As you know, we all know that we use the Chanukiyat, gets dirty, gets burnt, and has to be cleaned. And the, uh, the bringing up of the uh, limbs of the Korban Tamid was do- done in two stages. The first was that they would, they would take it and they would leave it on the ramp of the uh, Mizbeach. And then late, a second stage was placing it on the fire itself. That wasn't done all at once. So it would first bring it, leave it on the ramp, and then a second stage later was it would come back and put it on the, uh, put it on the fire. So bringing it up to the kevish, right? So harosh ve'aregel u'shtei yadayim ve'oketz ve'aregel ve'chazev ha'gira u'shtei yadifanot ve'akrovayim. So he's describing all of the different things that have to be brought up. The harosh ve'aregel, so one is the head and the front, uh, the front, le- for, the right foreleg of the animal. Okay, and then ushtea yadayim. The ushtea yadayim is uh, the uh, the regel here. Rashi says shel yamin. The regel is actually the the back leg rather, right? The back leg. And ushtea yadayim is the two front legs. So the so the the roshva regel is the front the the head and the right back leg, not foreleg. Ushtea yadayim and the two front legs. Ha'oketz. It's like the tail section, right? Ve'regel. And obviously that regel is talking about the left. Leg, not the left back leg. Okay, so that so Rashi says who has zanav. A third kohen brought the uh, the section which with the tail and the left back leg. That's the chest area. But he said he says that's talking about the fat that hangs down towards the ground. Not including, he says, below Ashitzlaot. Not talking about the ribs, but the the fat that hangs down is the chaze. Okay. That's brought by a fourth Kohen, and he says that, and the Gera is brought by the, is brought, uh, uh, by the, by another Kohen, that he says that's the neck. It's talking about the neck and the throat that's connected to uh, the various inner organs, and then Shteya Defanot, the two, uh, flanks of the animal, um, that's talk, that is the, um, by a fifth kohen, and the kavayim, the inner organs, by a sixth kohen, vasolet, and then you had the flower that had to be brought up, another kohen, vachavitin, and then you also had the half isaron of the kohen gadol that has to be brought to get, together with the korban tamid every day. And it's offered by the kohen gadol, meaning to say that it comes from his, uh, his uh, uh, money, but, you know, it's offered by, uh, by the kohanim that place it on the altar, it doesn't have to necessarily be him. It doesn't necessarily be the Kohen Gadol himself that brings it every day. It's just that he has to be the one who paid for it. It's just his, it's his Korban, but he could have a Shaliach. Another Kohen could offer it. Animal is fully skinned. <clears throat> In the process, after they slaughter it, obviously. Are taking out these limbs on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, what, they, if they slaughter, they do this, then they butcher it, they... Yeah, they have to skin it and butcher it and all that. No, yeah, there's right. There's no special love that. They could have them. They could have anybody could do that, right? But I, I assume it's all Kohanim doing it back there. But they, yeah, it's spot that they do it, no? Yeah, they have an area that they hook it. They had hooks that they would hang the animal, skin it. Yeah, so it's not really considered part of the avodah. It's, it's a practical. It's a practical part. Yeah, so the. Uh, the they talked about the tannery also. They talked about the room that, the, that they would. Salt the hides. Right, and they also took, they would also take um, 
Yeah, I mean, there were there are aspects here that are not mentioned, like the washing of the inner organ. They didn't just put it up there dirty. They washed it and everything. But they're not mentioning that. They're just mentioning the parts that are considered avodah. Yeah, that people wanted to do. The guy who, it's like the guy who peels potatoes, you know, he doesn't want, that's not really a kavod. He, he, that's like a lower part of the job. I mean, everything is necessary, but it's not part of the, uh, it's not part of the, the avodah. And of course, they put on yeah, wine, right? They have the veniskoyain. They always have a, some kind of a libation of wine together with the korban. So total of 13 kohanim are, uh, end up being necessary for these various operations. Obviously, one kohen, in theory, could do all of them if he just kept going back and doing it again and again. But uh, like the Kohen Gadol does on, on Yom Kippur. But they had 13 Kohanim per day that were involved. This list of the items, now he's, what he's really um, uh, responding to is that the list of items that it mentioned that are put on the ramp where it goes head and back right leg and then two front legs and then tail and so on. This description jumps from the front of the animal, the back of the animal, the middle of the animal. According to Ben Azai, it goes in the order that it walks, meaning it goes from top to bottom. It doesn't go from the, the front part and then the back part and then the middle part. He says it goes from top to bottom. We're going to see, meaning from front to back of the animal in order, the way that it walks. Okay, so the, the Gemara will, will, will explain that there are multiple opinions about what order these Parts of the animal have to be placed on the on the ramp, and then obviously on the mizbeach. Ben Azai is differing with the Tanakhama because the Tanakhama is taking a an approach which the Gemara will explain the reasoning behind it later. But basically, that jumps around and has like something in the front of the animal, something in the back of the animal, something in the middle of the animal. Ben Azai says no, it should be in order. Now Ibai Lu they asked the following question. So there's two ways we could we could execute this because what we could do is we could bring all the kohanim together. Do a lottery, they pick a number, right? Let's say they pick uh, uh, 910, okay? So now they go around with the, they take off somebody's mitznefet, saying they were going to start with you. Everyone has their finger out. They go around the circle. Number 910 falls on such and such Kohen, okay? Yosef Kohen. Now what can we do? We could say, well, now that we came to him, he's number one. So he gets the first honor on the list. His first honor on the list here was who's going to do the shechita of the korban, Right? Okay, the guy next to him, to his right, will be the guy who does rikah. Guy next to him will be the guy who do the next part. The guy next to him will be the next person. In other words, we only do one, We only need to do one lottery, and then we could just say whoever's to the right of that guy, each person they get the next. Uh, they get the next avodah. That's very economical, very practical. The other possibility is what we could do is for each one of these avodot do another separate lottery. Now, one difference between the two is that you could hypothetically actually end up choosing the same person twice. Right, because if the, if you do it that there's one lottery and then you just go around, Unless they take him out. right? Unless he has to step out if he gets chosen for something, it doesn't say that. But the point is, they ask the question: Do they do one lottery and determines all of these jobs, or they do actually twelve, thirteen different lotteries? So that's that's the question. Each time, meaning for this second round, do they have to do an, a, a lottery for each one of these things, or they do one lottery and then it determines all of the additional information as well? So it says. So so, so Gemara says. So the whole avodah avodah hinfaisi. So Tashima, come and listen. Alba paisi so teivusham. It says that there were four lotteries. Visa get the whole avodah hinfaisi. If you're going to say that for each one of these thirteen avodot, they had a separate paisi, they had a separate lottery. So tuvavu, there should be a lot of. It's not just four. There's the second one has thirteen. So how could how could you say there's only four? 
שעושה זה אמרנו לך, מה בר יצחק, אחי כמה רבה פעמים נכנסים להפיס, ולכל חדה וחדה היו בטובה פייסות. You don't necessarily have to, that's not such a strong argument, why? Because you could say it means they gathered to do the lottery four times. That's, it's like if you said we had four auctions, it doesn't mean that you only auction four things. That means that you gather, you did an auction, and one auction you auction ten things, and one auction you auction three things, and one auction you auction seventeen things. Okay, but it's one auction. So in the same way, it's saying you had a lottery, four lotteries, that doesn't mean that they only did the lottery one time in, that, in time number two. It just means that they gathered for a lottery one time. Right? So now, so Gemara, it's Amud Bet, Tashimah, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Lo, Aya, Pais, Lamachta. אלא כהן שזכה בקטורת, אומר לזה שאימו זכה אימי במחתה. So the קטורת was complicated because there were actually two components to it. One was somebody had to go to the outer altar, take coals from the outer altar, because there was nothing burning normally on the inner altar, on the, uh, on, uh, on the golden altar. So they would, do, they would go get the coals from the outer altar, bring it into the inner altar, put it on the inner altar, and then the guy who got the, actually the zechut to the, do the ketorot would put the ketorot on. He wasn't the same person who put the coals on. That was part of the complication of the avodav the kohen gadol and yom kibor, because he had to both take... He had to take the coals with his own hands and also have the pan of the ketoret and put it on. And, you know, it was very complicated because he had to do everything at the same time. And he couldn't put things down on the floor, you know. It, so it was, it was really complex. So for, in a normal situation, one person is delegated, go take the fire pan and put some coals on the ketoret for me. And then I'm on the Mizbeach for me, rather, and I'll bring the ketoret. The honor was to bring the ketoret, the bigger honor. So it says they didn't have a separate lottery for the person who's going to bring the coals. It was just that whoever won the Ketorot would say to the guy next to him, Hey, Bob, you're going to bring the Colts. I'll, I'll take the Ketorot because I want. Right? And that was like a very coveted Avodah uh, because it makes you rich, apparently, supposedly, you know? So uh, anyway, so so so, um, so you see from that that what? That they didn't have a separate... A separate lottery for that, right? So, um, so, so, right now, what the Gemara is saying is that from that you see that what? So, so from the fact that the person next to us says every avodah doesn't have its own lottery because apparently what that means is whoever got the ketor, right? In other words, whoever got the shechita, the guy next to him gets the next avodah, the next avodah, the next avodah, and whoever got the ketor, the guy next to him gets bringing the coals, and the guy next to him gets the next thing. In other words, the It's showing you that it's all one process. One choice is made and everything else is determined from that. No, not necessarily a proof because it could be that you have a lottery for each and every one of the avodot. It's just that that particular avodah requires two people so one lottery would determine two people. But that doesn't mean that every other avodah is included in that determination. Maybe there's a separate lottery for shechita, zrika, and all of the other things. And just that for ketorat, there's a double header because you need two people. So it says, Ikadam Sam say, no, davka machtav ketorat, echad avodai, avashavodot bai pais. So you could say, no, maybe what it's saying is the opposite. That only, only ketorat and the, um, and, and the coals of the ketorat are subsumed under one thing. Because they're one avodah. 
But everything else requires its own, uh, its own lottery. And that's the chidush. The chidush is that you're able to say for the ketoret and the fire pen that it's one avodah, so it could be determined by one lottery. You pick the kohen and the person next to him. But every other thing requires a separate lottery, maybe. So Gemara says, no, machta itzrichale. No, the opposite. Really, one lottery determines everything. But you might have thought that for ketoret it would be special. Because you might have thought that since ketoret is very rare, why is it rare? Because you cannot have a voluntary ketoret. Nobody could come and say, I would like to contribute the ketoret. Okay? They, they might be able to contribute money that the Beit HaMikdash will use to make ketoret, but there's no, there's no voluntary ketoret. There's voluntary korbanot of various kinds, minachot, flower offering, animal offering, but there's no voluntary ketoret. So therefore, it's only twice a day, that's it. And it was me'atrat, made the person rich. There was a special uh, blessing that the Kohen who did it would become wealthy. So everyone, of course, wanted to do it. As we know, we say parnasa, the person wants to do it. Right? Still today. Anything that you tell them is gulaf or parnasa, they want to do it. So every Kohen wants to do it. So it says, you might have thought that the person would, all, they would make a separate lottery for ketoret precisely because everybody wants to do it. So kamashmalan, it's coming to tell you that they didn't do that. That uh, it's not telling you that everything else has a separate lottery. It's telling you that Ketorah doesn't have to have a separate lottery, even though you might have thought that it would. Okay? And, and that, that lottery will determine, the one lottery could determine all the jobs, including who's going to bring the fire pan. Now, the, so now Tashima, come and listen. So the point is that we didn't determine anything because we, it could go either way. We don't know if the Ketorah is an exception or it's the rule. We don't know. So Tashima, the Tan Rabbi so you see very clearly, Rabbi Chia said in the Brayta that it's one lottery. Whoever gets chosen for the shechita, the guy to his right is doing the zrika. The guy to his right is doing the next thing. The guy to his right is doing the next thing, and so on for the next twelve people. So the thirteen people are chosen by one lottery. That means that no one person can get more than one job on that one day, because if you had the lottery another way, that would be possible. If you did multiple lotteries. A person could end up having uh, having uh, more than one job on, on a given day. And anyway, in any case, so it's one lottery and only one lottery, and we don't have a separate um, a separate uh, uh, lottery for those uh, for those people. Um, didn't say they, they said that. They should give the Ketor to people who never... They always wanted to have the people to only the new people. Yeah. So it's going to talk about that in the next Mishnah. Okay. That, yeah, that they, they only the people who are new were given the opportunity to do that one. So, um, so here you'll, in this, uh, in this lottery, you'll see this lottery didn't include the bringing of the Ketorah. This lottery only included everything else, included cleaning off the, uh, cleaning off the, the Mizbacha Ketorah. But the, for sure, the Ketorah itself was a different lottery. It's just that it was a different lottery. But there you see that the way they did it was they, it, that one lottery also determined who was going to do the coals. They didn't have two separate lotteries. So they're saying, oh, from there you see, same thing here. So the Gemara says, no, maybe that's different because maybe there you would have thought that they would split it into two because everyone wants to participate and it's a chidush that they don't split it into two. But maybe in, you know, uh, you know, but maybe everyone, but normally you don't split it up or maybe you do normally split it up, but there because it's, it requires two people, they don't split it up. So that's where the Gemara didn't conclude anything definitively from the case of the Ketorit, but what it's going to say is that, but in the end they had a bright that supports that it's just one lottery at a time. They don't have to do 14 different lotteries. Now, Ibailu, they asked a question about Vaisheni. He says, Mim mekabel Kabel. So who's who's doing the Kabbalat Adam? Did you notice that was missing from the list? We know the four avodot of the of a korban that we learned in Masechet Zvachim and many other times. Shchita, 
is a slaughtering. Kabbalah is receiving the blood. Right? Holacha is bringing the blood to the altar and Zerika is throwing the blood. These are the four ingredients that you have to have for any korban, any animal korban, right? And there's an analogous version for um, flower offerings too. But essentially, for animal offerings, you always have those four pieces, four components. So in the list, we only had Shechita and Zerika. Now, obviously, Zerika could include Holacha because you have to walk over to the Mizbeach in order to throw it. Fine. But who is the one who's supposed to be the Kabbalah who's receiving Receiving the blood. So do we say, So maybe it's better to have the shochet do it. Receive the blood. Why? Because the person who's going to throw the blood is so excited to go do his mitzvah that he's not going to wait for all the blood to fall into the thing. He's going to already be gone and the rest of the blood's going to fall on the floor and that wouldn't be good. So maybe we want the shochet to do it. Because that, so he'll do the shechitah and then he'll, he'll, he'll grab a, a vessel to receive the blood and, and, and then hand it to somebody else. Because if the zorek is the one, since he's headed to the next mitzvah, the next station, he's not going to have the patience to wait. Maybe. Maybe the person who's throwing the blood should be the one. The problem, on the other hand, is that, it, that a, a, a non-kohen is actually permitted to, throw, to do shechita. So it could be that from time to time you'll have a person doing shechita who is not a kohen. And that person uh, will then go do the kabbalat adam. And that will be invalid because from the Kabbalat Adam and on, it has to be done by a Kohen. So, th- so maybe we shouldn't have the Shochet be the one receiving the blood just for the off chance, you know, the rare occasion that a non-Kohen is, is doing the Shechita. So it says, Tashima, Ben Katin Asa Yud Dalidad Dekir. It says, Ben Katin made 12 spigots, 12 like faucets, basically, in the kior, in the sink of the Bet HaMikdash, so that the 12 Kohanim who are doing the Korban Tamid would be able to wash their hands. Now, what do you mean 12? It's, we said 13. Who is the one who doesn't have to wash his hands? Ironically, it's the Shochet doesn't have to wash his hands. Why? Because what he's doing is not really considered Avodah, because a non-Kohen could do it. So, he doesn't actually have to wash his hands from the kior. He doesn't have to wash his hands and feet from the, from the sink. So, therefore, there were only 12. Now, if the Shochet himself is the one who's also receiving the blood, then for sure he would have to wash his hands because that's considered part of the Avodan. For sure he has to wash his hands. So therefore, Therefore, it must be that the person who's going to throw the blood receives it. Therefore, he's already washing his hands and feet in order to do the Avodah of the Zerikah. And he also does the Avodah of the Kabbalat Adam. And that's the Alakha that the person who's throwing the blood receives the blood. We also learned this explicitly. We learned that the Shochet does the slaughtering. And then it says, And then it says, And the person who receives the blood comes to throw it. So you see that the person who's receiving it, the person throwing it is the same person. And Shema that's the conclusion. That's from Masechet Tamid, that, uh, that uh, Mishnah. The point is that, the, um, that that's the proper procedure, that the person who's going to throw the blood is the one who receives the blood as we determine. Now, Tanu Abanat. So now we said in the Mishnah that Amar ben Azal lefnei Rabbi Akiva, so our Tanakama had a description of the way that the limbs and the, the parts of the korban are brought up that was kind of random. It started in the front of the animal, went to the back of the animal, middle of the animal. Ben Azai said, no, 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 derech You start from the front of the animal, then the, then the middle, then the, you know, you keep going, you work your way back because the way that the animal walks, in other words, you start from the front of the animal and you go back, that's how you put the limbs up of the animal in order, in chronological order, so to speak, the way that it's walking. Okay? That's, a, that's what he would say. Now, 
the Tanur Abanan, the rabbi is taught, Ketzad Erechiluchho. So what does it mean, Erechiluchho, that Ben Azai says? Harosh Varegel, first you have the, the head and the, and the leg. Now the reason why you have to have the head and the back leg is because that's written in the Torah, so there's no, there's nothing they can do about that. That, that you always have to do, okay? Cool. Now, right, then Echazeh, then you get the chest, Vagiran, and the throat. In other words, that's the middle, right? Ushte Yadaim, right, and also the, uh, the, the front, uh, legs. And then you go to the two uh, flanks, which is a little further back. And then you go to the tail and the, uh, the other back leg. In other words, you're working your way through sections. Front section, middle section. Right, Rosh and Regal. No, the other Regal. There's a right and a left. There's two. Oh. Yeah, Regal is the back leg. Right leg. So, so the point is that he's going, he's working his way back down the animal. If the animal were standing up, it would be from top to bottom, so yes. to speak, right? Now, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, not the way that you described, but the way that you, the, the way that you skin it is the way that you should, that you should deliver it to the Mizbeachau. So everyone always starts with the same thing, the head and the back right leg, because that, you don't have it, that's not negotiable, because it's written in the Torah. Fine. Ha'okets, then you go to the tail, because that's what you would do next. Ve'regel. And also the other back leg, because I guess that's where they would skin from first. I never skinned an animal, I'm not sure. But as it, Ushte de Fanot, and then the two flanks, Ushte Yadaim, the two front legs, Hechazeva Gerat, and then the chest and the, um, and, and the throat. So, you're, so in that, according to this, you go to the front, you go to the back, and then you come up to the middle, you work your way back up the middle. Okay, so the uh, that would be the um, the order of the hefshet of the skinning. Rabbi Akiva says, "No, the way that you butcher it is the way you should put it up, not the way that you skin it." How do you do that? So again, we always start with the head and the back right leg. Then the two front legs. Then the chest area, which is the fat hanging down, according to what we said before. And then and the throat. And then the two flanks. And then the tail. And the b- other back leg. Now that um, that would be a uh, uh, you know not that different from what uh, from what Ben Azai said because he's he's also going from the front uh, all the way back, right? He switches chazeva geran yadaim. That's the difference between the two of them, right? That the that whether you do the two four legs first. Or you do the chest and the throat first. That's the difference between Ben Azai and Rabbi Akiva. So it's one one detail there, right? Now Rabbi Yosegli Omer Dech Ilu Yohayakariv. The the way of its uh, of its excellence. Okay, meaning this is not uh, this is not. So he's saying meaning going by the best parts first. You put the best first. Okay, Kitzad Dech Ilu Yo. What's the what's the best? Harosh Regel Again, we don't have a choice. We have to do always the head and the back right leg first. Chazeh. Then the chest, because that's where the fat is hanging down. It's very good fat. Okay, vagira. The neck, defanot, and then the two flanks, and then you go to the tail and the back left leg, which have, I guess, the least uh, juiciness of all, is the legs areas of the animal. And so, therefore, you, uh, that's last, according to him. But doesn't it say in the Pasuk? Every good, every good piece. The thigh and the shoulder, right? And that implies that the thigh is better than the shoulder. In other words, that the thigh should come first. The back leg is, is very good. And he's saying that, no, he, right, the, the way that he has it is that the, uh, that, that the front of the animal was, uh, was first, right? And the back of the animal was, was later. 
right? So it says, That pasuk is talking about a thin animal, and a thin animal that might be true, but in a fatty animal, it's going to be the other way around. In the fatty animal, the front is going to be uh, is going to be tastier. Okay, Amar Abarabas says Ben Tana Didalev Uven Rabbi Yosi. The difference between Rabbi Yosi and our Tana is Batar Iluyad the Bisrazinan. More, uh, 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 so it says that the question is, what kind of goodness do you go for, right? So it says one is going, right? So it says that that Batar Iluyad the Bisra Azlinan, right? So it says more Azil Batar Ivra the Bisra or more Azil Batar Shamna the Bisra. One is going by the size. Of the uh, of the section when it's talking about excellence, and the other one is going by the fattiness of the section. Okay, so uh, the point is that that's the only difference if you compare the list in our Mishnah from the list here, the list of the. I'm sorry, not from our Mishnah. Yeah, from our Mishnah, where, where it describes what's put on the uh, on the ramp to what's put put here. So the difference is going to be. Rashi says, One goes by the size. In other words, they agree that you want the most impressive part first. The question is, does that go by the size or by the fattiness? Because it depends. If you're thinking about it from a taste perspective, maybe you want the fattiness. Thinking about it from a kavod perspective, you want the biggest. But that would be the difference between Tanah, Kama, and Rabiosi. So you see here, there's multiple... Multiple, there's like practically every possible combination except for Rosh Varegel. The only thing that, that's invariant across all the opinions is that the head and the back right leg have to be first. So why is that? Right? Because that doesn't, you know, why is that necessary? So it says, uh, so Maitama, what's the reason? Why do you put the head together with the back right leg? Mishum Right? So, because there's a lot of bones in the head, so therefore you bring the leg. In other words, there's a, the, bo- the head is not really, from a culinary standpoint, there's not much that, that you do with that. That's not really something so, eaten so much. So, therefore they put the leg there, so there's at least some kind of a meat there. Right? That's what it says. But still, we have the question that, uh, that, 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 everybody agrees that the head goes first. So the, the the leg is coming to go with the head. In other words, the leg is coming to go with the head to give it some substance, right? Because otherwise the head is not really a meat so much. So that's why they bring the leg. But why does the head go first? Because it's not the most tasty part. If you're going by the tastiness factor, you know, if you're going by the, the fattiness factor, definitely not. It doesn't fit with the, uh, that's true. Yeah, that, that part would be. But it's, but compared to the, but it's small compared to, you know, all the other, the, the other sections. I mean, yeah, it says in Torah we don't need to. I don't right, know. so well, they're asking. They're going to say, yeah, mina. So where do we get that from? Yeah, rosh rosh karev b'reisha mina lan detanya mina in the rosh upader shekodim the cholev. How do you know that you have to put um, the fat and the head before everything else? Talmud lomar et roshovet pedro ve'arach because it says the roshovet pedro whether you put on the mizbeach the head and the fat ve'arach and he sets it up right ve'idach and there's another pasuk that says. Pader uh, the other pasuk lemayata. What does it come to tell you? Because there's another place where it says that they have to put uh, that they have to put uh, the pedro. They have to put the um, because before it says et vet pedro, and then it also says et rosh again. Why does it have to say it a second time? Lemayata lekedetanya ketanu because that's how how you do it. Which is noten et pader abet shchita umaleu. What they would do was they would put the fat on the like neck of the animal so that the gaping like area of the bloody thing wasn't exposed. 
So the reason why they put, so there were three things really that they put up. They put the leg, they put the head, and they also put the fat on the neck part of the, the throat part of the animal so that it wasn't exposed and it didn't look. Which fat they would put on the... From the body of the animal. They would take the fat that they cut out and they put it on there. Yeah, they put it on the on the throat so that it didn't wasn't exposed. You know, but that's that's where it says. So that's teaching you. In other words, the reason why why it mentions Roshov and Pidro twice is first of all to tell you it goes first, but also to tell you how to do it. That you put the fat over the throat so that the the cut is not exposed um, that they that they made. But the um, but the but essentially. Um, the, the point is that the, the rest of the process, in other words, Rosh always has to go first. Whatever accompanies Rosh, whether it's a back leg in order to make it, give it some more substance, or it's the fat in order to cover the neck, that's really going along with head, right? But the rest of the body, what order you do it in, is going to depend on whether you do it the way it walks, which just means chronological order, the way you skin it, which is you go to the back, then you go back to the middle, whether it's the way that you butcher it, whether it's the way that you, that what, what is considered to be the most chashuv parts of the animal, this is going to be, this is what's debated among the Tanaim. So I guess Bezad Hashem will continue here tomorrow. So it's already a little